Fear is a mental movie that gets stuck at the worst part. Fear is a doorman who lets you into the house of horrors, but won't show you the way out. Fear highlights worst case scenarios without regard to their likelihood. As Charlie Brown once said, I've developed a new philosophy. I only dread one day at a time. So what are you afraid of? This is not a message about what you should be afraid of. It is a message about what you can do to get rid of fears that make no sense. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. And my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. In Psalm 27, I see three beat fear moves. You have one move in the first few verses and then one in the middle section and then another at the end. Your first beat fear move is what I call radical confidence. Verse three, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear, though war break out against me. Even then, I will be confident. Radical confidence is a byproduct of knowing God's power surrounds your life with sustaining grace no matter what's happening around you, no matter what, no matter what the political climate looks like, no, what, no matter what the economic future looks like. No matter who is saying things against you that aren't true, no matter what, a radical confidence puts your feet on a firm foundation and lets you stand. I got to hear one of my favorite news commentators the other night. John Stossel was here in Norfolk. He was at the Sandler Center. He's part of the Virginia Beach Forum. 
And, and I thought, this is great. I'm so, so thankful somebody invited me to hear John Stossel. I, I've watched him for years and years and years and, and watched his insightful reports on, on TV. And, and to be able to be up close and personal was something that, uh, that I was really excited about. So I get down to the Sandler Center and, and John gets up to speak and he, he speaks for about a half an hour. And in that half hour, he says basically just two things. Number one, government wastes money. Well, I knew that. You know that. I, I, I didn't have to go down to the Sandler Center to learn that. The second thing he said was if we let individuals who have businesses work hard and, and do due diligence and hire the right people, then over a period of time, things will work out to the good because good people who are working hard will work for the benefit of society, for individuals and families. And, and so good people get out of their way. Let good people work. Well, I knew that too. You know that. So here he talks for a half an hour. He doesn't say anything that I already know which is what I hope you don't say when you're on your way to the parking lot today. <laughs> so Stossel, then he answers a, a bunch of questions. And when it comes to the idea of the future, what does the future hold and, and what should we do? And, and he was referencing young people and, and what did they have to look forward to? Basically, he was poetically very pessimistic about the future with all of his experience, with everything he knows, with all of his analysis, he, he really basically said, well, hope you guys are going to make it. I'm 65. I'm getting ready to, to retire. Good luck, guys. You know, it's not looking really good. And a, a sadness came over me. I felt an emptiness. And the emptiness that I was feeling, I think, came from him. I felt like I was looking at a man who had spent his whole career reporting on, on the world and reporting upon business and politics and what's right and what's not right. And he was searching and searching for something that would make sense, searching and searching for something that would really fill him up inside. And he never found it. There was this, there was this empty, hollow feeling. I, I got to, to meet him personally. I got to shake his hand. And I just felt like I was looking at somebody who hadn't been able to figure it out for all the reporting. He didn't really know what life was about. And I felt sad. He didn't have a radical confidence. It had eluded him for all of his searching and research. Radical confidence is a byproduct of knowing that God's power surrounds your life with sustaining grace no matter what's happening around you. You don't want to be left feeling empty. You want something that holds when everything else is falling apart. And that's what Psalm 27 is saying to you in that first section, verses 1 through 4. And then the second move appears. Your second beat fear move is what I see as spiritual stability. Verses 7 and 8 say it very clearly. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. 
Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Spiritual stability is a byproduct of focus. Before the day comes when you desperately need God's help, make it your priority to keep him in each day's plans, hopes, and dreams. Live a life where you do nothing without asking him to be in it. You're getting ready to go to school. You ask him to be in this day at school. You're getting ready to go into a board meeting. You ask him to be in that board meeting. You're you're getting ready to go into an evaluation of your job. You ask him to go with you into that evaluation of your job. You're getting ready to correct a child for something that they shouldn't have done. And you taught them better. And you ask God to go with you into that time of correction. When God is more important than anything, spiritual stability beats fear at its own game. We talked about this. Actually, we sang these words earlier. I wrote them down. Here am I, all of me. Take my life. It's all for thee. From the inside out, my soul cries out. And these are the words of spiritual stability. They have to be more than a song. They have to be more than just things that you you slap on the outside for a little while. They have to be the essence of, of a gut level spiritual stability that you desperately want. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Are we seeking? Are we expectant? Are we hoping and looking for God to show up in every conversation, in every moment, in every opportunity? From the ride to work, to the grocery store, to the thinking about what's going to happen when you take that vacation this year, that long-awaited time. Do you want God to be showing up and whispering to you even when you're away from the the hustle and bustle and routine of everyday life. Your second beat for your move is to have spiritual stability. Then the final move at the end of this great psalm, a psalm that I urge you to read and I urge you to keep with you and I urge you to pour it into your life all the time. Your third beat fear move at the very end is what I call profound patience. Verses 13 and 14 end the psalm this way. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Profound patience means to to always believe that God will show up at the right place on time and for the right reasons. The right reasons will always connect to what he needs you to see or what he needs you to change or what he needs you to embrace or what he needs you to give up. Profound patience is the bridge of faith over the rising river of fear. So what have we been hearing about all week? Lance Armstrong, Oprah, Lance Armstrong, Oprah. Oprah, 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 Lance, 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 all week long. Lance, Oprah, Lance, Oprah, talk, talk, talk. What's she going to ask? We all know now what she asked. What's he going to say? We all know what he said. And I was waiting and hoping that Lance would say something about fear. I was watching 
the, the interview and I'm thinking, say something about fear, Lance. Say something about fear. I need it for a video. I'm preaching on fear this weekend. Say something about fear, Lance. And he never did. But listen, I thought about this later. And he really did say something about fear. It was between all the lines of the questions and the answers. You see, Lance Armstrong's chink in his armor was a lack of profound patience. It was a lack of being able to wait to see God show up, to wait and let God do what God wanted to do in his life. What an incredible athlete he was. The fear that took him down was the fear of losing. The fear that took him down was the fear of losing. He did not have the profound patience to to knock that fear out of the game, out of the race. The fear that took Lance Armstrong down was the fear of losing, and guess what happened? He lost everything, lost it all. In 1 John 4.18, there's some great words about fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. There's something that God wants us to to know in that. Something that God wants us to experience in that. Over Thanksgiving, we went to New Jersey and we got to spend a couple days in New York. And as is our custom, we saw a couple of shows. But one particular show I saw by myself in the afternoon at a matinee. Uh, I got a really, really cheap ticket and I went to see Grace. And I'd heard about this show And I wanted to see it because I felt it would resonate with who I am. I felt the show would tell the story of of something that would do with God and God's grace. I should have realized that that A falling out in the middle would portend other results. Uh, But it was a great, great show. It was gripping. And I also wanted to see Ed Asner. I've admired Ed Asner's career for a long time. So he was a in the show, he was a maintenance man, and he would come in and out of this apartment. He was always doing something that, that had to maintain the efficiency of the apartment. So it was great to see Ed, Ed Asner. And this show was about a Christian couple who moved to Florida to start a new job and to start their lives all over again. And I was blown away because it was as if they studied churches and studied Christians. They had every word right. They had every mannerism right. These two people, this husband and this wife, they were praying together. They were playing Christian music in the apartment. I'm sitting there. This is Broadway. This is New York City. And I can't even believe they're showing the Christian life right there on the stage. And they're really concerned. And they're trying to witness to their neighbor. And they're trying to witness to Ed Asner. And and they have this neighbor. And he had been in an accident. It was a tragic accident. And he had to stopped working for months and months and months, and he was kind of depressed. And so the wife was reaching out to the neighbor and bringing cookies over. And in this one scene that was so amazing for Broadway, 
She leads him to Christ. She, she prays with the neighbor. She prays this beautiful, beautiful prayer. And he accepts, he prays with her. And he accepts Jesus Christ into his life. And I can't believe that I'm seeing this in New York. Every word is right. Every concept of God is right. And then I found out why the A was falling out of the word grace. The husband gets increasingly frustrated about his career. He can't trust his business partner, his, his main investor, and, and things start to go south, and the business starts to fall apart. He starts to get afraid, and then he gets angry, and he starts to get angry at everybody. He gets so angry over the, the course of the second half of the show that at the very end of the show, this Christian man who said it all right and prayed it all right and did it all right, he shoots everybody. He even shoots Ed Asner. It was terrible. And what, what they were trying to say is, you know, if you don't have this deep down inside, then you don't have it at all. Because we're going to show you what it looks like deep down inside of people who say they have this, who say they have beat, beaten fear at its own game, but they never really did. They just played the game of layering on the words and the systems and the theologies on the outside, but they didn't have it on the inside. There is no fear in love. A perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. That's why the A fell out of grace. Fear is a mental movie that gets stuck at the worst part. Fear is a doorman who lets you into the house of horrors but won't show you the way out. Fear highlights worst-case scenarios without regard to their likelihood. In his book, Secrets You Keep From Yourself, Dan Newharth gives you some fear-busting moves you can make. And if you take these and you, you put them together with Psalm 27, you've got something good to work with. When fear plays the survival card, call its bluff. When fear says you're not going to make it, you're not going to get there, you won't survive this, call its bluff. And put on Psalm 27 and be radically confident and keep going. Look beyond, always look beyond the oversimplifications of fear. Fear tries to shut you down, not with complexities, but with simplicities. Look beyond the simplicities and, and get out into the running field that Psalm 27 gives you. Seek his face. Seek to know him deeply with your life every day. When weeding out fears, go for the roots. Your fears didn't just happen yesterday. They, just, they didn't come along last week or last month. They've been there for a long time. They might go back to mom and dad. They might go back to grandma and grandpa. They might go back to a, another career and another state, another time. Look for the roots and weed them out at the root level. Do the math. Measure fear's track record. Look at how many times fear was just bluffing you. Do the math. Count your options. Look at all the opportunities that exist outside of this one thing that maybe you're afraid of. 
look at this option here. Ask somebody if they see anything else or any other way to go. And somebody who's wise and who loves you will say, well, sure, there's these other two ways that you can go. You don't have to worry about this. Look at this wide open door right in front of you. And finally, keep asking questions. Because the more you ask questions, the more fear starts to shake in its own boots. Because the more questions you ask, the closer and closer you get to the real answers God wants for your life. And always, always carry that Psalm 27 with you and know that he is going to make a way for you no matter what's happening around you. On the back page of the Wall Street Journal magazine dated February 2013, there's an interesting photograph. It's a shelf in the home of Alexandra Cousteau. Her grandfather was the great underwater explorer who seemed to have no boundaries for adventure. It's a shelf that looks like any shelf that might be in your home. There's a book here, and there's a picture there, and there's something here, a a piece of of glass or a, a cup or something, a piece of jewelry. On the shelf is a picture of her, Alexandra, swimming with dolphins. It's when she was probably 12 years old, and she's deep under the water. It's a beautiful picture. There's a copy of the last book Jacques Cousteau wrote, The Human, Orchid, The Human, the Orchid, and the Octopus. There's the Canon camera she used when she traveled around the world. There are, there are these little cute little blue shoes, the shoes her daughter took her first steps in. There's a vase from a sunken Japanese warship that her father recovered. And there's a necklace her mother gave her. Inside the necklace is this inscription, Go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life you've imagined. In other words, don't ever let fear get in the way. Don't ever let fear shut you down. I have a feeling that sometimes God is saying that to us because his perfect love casts out fear. So late last night, I wasn't sure a letter was even on the horizon And then it just came in quick and fast, and it was written to me. Dear Michael, since you were a little boy, you've been afraid. You were afraid of going to school. Then you learned to love school. You were afraid of getting lost. Then you got lost and survived. You were afraid of girls. That was just dumb. At age 20, you were really afraid of me not being out there, of me not being able to take care of you. But you found out otherwise. I'm not just out there. I'm in you and with you all the time. I love taking care of you. Fear gets in the way of so many opportunities. Fear grips and twists your emotions. Fear excoriates passions. Fear bullies your mind. Fear whips up tension in relationships. Fear wrestles with and attempts to smash your spiritual compass. Fear lies, big lies, jumbo lies. Fear says, you won't make it. You can't do it. Fear embeds itself in the details of your schedule and demands a heavy tax of anxiety or hopelessness. Fear wants to see you fall. It mocks grace. It feeds on itself. The more of itself it ingests, the bigger it gets, and the bigger it gets, the mightier it feels. But here's the truth. Fear is crushed by confidence 
stability, and patience. This trio, fueled by my power, will bring fear to a point of gasping for breath as it gropes for feeble morsels of lies to sustain itself. With none in reach, it finally perishes. Done. Over. So let radical confidence sustain you. Let spiritual stability guide you. Let profound patience carry you. Let my love cast out all fear. All fear. What are you afraid of? I'm here. God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then, I will be confident. Dear Heavenly Father, let your words of grace and peace and hope wash over us right now. Father, I pray for a man who has fear about what could happen to his business. And I pray you'll be with him right now. I pray for a woman who's afraid right now of her job security. And I pray you'll be with her and surround her with your love right now. I pray for men and women who are afraid of of relational struggle, afraid of what will happen if the truth is told. Oh, Father, blow these fears away with your love. Oh, Father, let us know you and the power that comes when we seek your face. Dear Heavenly Father, take us into the demands of this week, into the requirements, into the goals and opportunities. And allow us from the inside out to know that your love will sustain us in all things. In Jesus' name we pray.